Hello everybody and welcome to episode 51 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. I'm Rod Murray, and on our first episode back for 2015, there is no shortage of interest surrounding the game and its biggest players, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, both in the headlines for all the right and wrong reasons, flying under the radar, perhaps the most amazing story of a year that is barely a month old, a 17-year-old girl holds the mantle of the world's number one ranked players. Not sure what our demographic is, but uh, out of interest, that makes the combined age of the game's two top-ranked players 42, and that makes me feel old. Don't know about the rest of you. Joining me today to tease out and explore these issues and more, blogger, critic, analyst, author, architect, all-round golf top, Jeff Shackelford, from Torrey Pines, where Tiger Woods will go under the microscope again this week. Shack, not sure that's something to look forward to, but it will be interesting. No, <laughs> no I'm not looking forward to it. I, I think it'll be ugly again, but... Um... Uh, it is what it is, as Tiger would say. And uh, maybe a few less reps around the green might be helpful for his game. From Victoria here in Australia, where he's about to resume caddying duties for one of this nation's most promising young golfers, Sue O, oh, as she makes her professional debut at the Vic Open this week. Commentator, architect, columnist, thinker on the game, Mike Clayton. Good to be chatting again. Clayton must be excited just a day away from what will be a pretty big moment for Sue O. Oh. Yeah, it will be. She'll... Yeah, right. I think she's playing well. So it's, um, she's playing with Laura Davies as she did last year in the first two rounds. So that, well, it's always interesting. And uh, she is fantastic too. I had uh, had a chance to chat to Sue last week. This is is her it's her four round debut. She played two of the one day proams last week here in Sydney. What a terrific long, young lady she is, and what an impressive game class. She finished tied for first in her second event in one of the. She, she didn't yeah. win the playoff, but uh, there's no doubt she's uh, fallen well and truly into the top echelons of the game. Gents, it's uh, lucky that we left it till this week before our first episode. There's been lots of stories about golfers, but not much about golf to this point in the year. However, Tiger changed all that last week. Shaq, uh, Rory's looking confident. Tiger is not. What's the mood on the ground at Torrey Pines? What we saw last week was just bizarre with his, uh, not just his short game, but his long game as well, Tiger Woods. He's in a real mess. Yeah, there's still a little bit of... Uh denial here that uh, that I've sensed just the, in the few hours I've been here and talking to people uh, kind of uh, wishful thinking I think but uh, I'm guessing Clates is probably in the same boat as I am that that uh, he has some form of of uh, the short game yips and playing through that is really difficult at a certain age and with as much uh, scar tissue as he has and then uh, doing it under the spotlight that he has to do it under is even more incredible. We've never really, you know, we've had players with the yips, uh, but but never somebody I don't I don't believe is is prominent and in uh, and in the spotlight quite like this at this point in his career. So it's it's a spectacle, and it's uh, I mean it started here last year too. That's the other thing. It I did not realize it though at the time. What I watched when he shot seventy nine the last round, and he was flubbing chips all day i just thought his short game stunk and i thought it was strange that he was trying to employ what sean foley wanted him to do in his swing in his short game but never imagined it would escalate to this uh second spectacular fall from grace in a lot of ways i suppose Shaq, to have what he had as a short game to what we saw last weekend at the end of well, last year this is yeah this is what i would love to hear what clates thinks because i've been trying to recall a player who has developed the yips or whatever you want to call this in a part of their game that was once a strength, if not one of the best at its, uh, at what he did in the history of the game and, and scrambling and getting up and down, uh, you know, Johnny Miller was never a truly great putter. Tom Watson, when he's gotten yippy, his stroke has never looked 
beautiful like Ben Crenshaw's. Uh, I, you know, they've, they, I just don't, I can't think of somebody, Clates, who has uh, gotten to the point he got with his short game and now has gone full circle to where he's shanking bunker shots and, and pulling out four irons because he can't pull the trigger on a, on a simple pitch shot when, when he was so brilliant at it. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, I, Peter Senior was who was a good player. Very really good. I saw him nineteen eighty four. He was still young. He I, I saw him have a simple chip shot up, a, up off an upslope to a little a back. It was the easiest pitch shot you ever seen, and he hit it twenty that yards off the front of the green. It just a cold guts with his. He had the worst case of the yips I've ever seen. It was incredible how bad he was. And he went cross handed. He just started chipping cross handed, and he became a. He went back. I mean, he was a great chipper as a kid. He went back to being a really good chipper again, cross-handed, and he still chips cross-handed. But you know, only the player knows what it feels like and what's going through his head and what's going through his hands, and it's a scary feeling. I mean, I mean that oh. shots look so simple, but you know that when we've all played golf, we all know what it's like. You get a dodgy line in the grain, and not that he had that last week. He had that in Florida, but you know, and Aussie Moore won the he. Finished second in the Australian Open at Greg Norman, won the money list in Australia in 1985, and he was his career was he was finished with the chipping hips. I mean, he's a beautiful player, but he just couldn't chip the ball anywhere at all. So it's you know it's a it's a career ending thing really if you're any sort of competitive pro, and you know you you ally that with the driver yips, which I know when when Hank Haney was on here talking about that. I mean, I know he, yeah. the Tiger's got the driver yips, so. I mean, you clearly can't compete with when you're yipping at both ends of the game, no, no matter how good your irons are. Yeah, and that was apparent with the driver last week because uh, every day he got up to the 18th hole with his three-wood and he just hit a machine-like draw, uh, you know, picked up the tee immediately, and you're like, why are you not hitting this off every, <laughs> every hole? He cannot draw his driver on command, it, he, he's, but he's, it looks like, and Hank had a comment, on his radio show, he looks like he is absolutely consumed with distance, yeah. and so that you throw that in, and that just really adds to the the, the whole formula for really a really a disaster, frankly. But yeah, but I mean, surely he's watching what Rory's doing, and yeah, he must look at that. You know, as a guy who's pounding it three hundred and thirty yards down every hole, but down the down the sprinkler line. And he, he must know that he, he's got no chance ever to be the best pro in the world again. So he, he must have, well, what's the point of this? I, you know, he's been the greatest, arguably the, well, you know, the second greatest player who's ever played golf. And his game has been under pressure for 18 years. He's been the, the main guy playing the best tournaments, the toughest courses, always in contention, pretty much always in contention. You know, your game just, maybe it just wears out. Maybe you just, you, you know, you can't take anymore. I mean, that happened to Seve. Seve was the, he was the main guy when he played in Europe and around the world and in America for a time where his really game just gives up. It's, you know, it's, it's too much pressure to put on one swing and one game and every folk, you know, you know, it's no wonder it breaks down. At time, you know. I mean, Nicholas, that's why he was so incredible, really. It never did, ever. I think it's one thought, I would imagine, too close. I mean, if you've never had a doubt and suddenly just out of nowhere a doubt creeps in your mind if your tiger's, oh, I've never had that before, then it just feeds. He looks afraid almost when he's playing. You he, he, he can almost tell when he's pulls those clubs around the greens. He's almost afraid of what the result's going to be. Well, you just know what's... You know, you know, I mean, he's such a high-profile player, but you, you know when... I mean, you look at Cal Nagel, who sadly passed away last week. We should have mentioned that. Yes, we should. I mean, Cal just 
teed the ball up on every hole, bumped his driver twice inside the ball, pushed it out behind the ball, swung it back, and never missed a fairway. And it was just, imagine the serenity of playing the game when you know you're never going to miss a fairway. You just tee the ball up and you just put it in play. Tiger's the opposite. You, you, and how much tension that brings to you. Or the entirety of the round, the five, five hours of the round, the tension that comes with knowing that every time you start on the tee, you, you don't know the hell where it's going to go. Where you go. And, and I mean, I remember speaking to Graham Marshall. going back to your point, Jeff, about the three-wood. I mean, Marshall was an incredibly straight driver. And I said, did you drive it straighter than Peter Thompson? Because they played a lot together. And he said, no, he was straighter than me. He said, but he used his three-wood a lot. And, you know, I mean, Nicholas drove with a three-wood a lot. And, you know, so it's not that. I mean, Tiger could do worse than drive with a three-wood for a while. It, you know, yeah. I mean, Stenson does it or did it for a long time. I mean, yeah. Stenson had the driver yet for a while. That's right. He did. Yeah. Got it back. Because the thinking you know, is, a, isn't it, Jack, that he can't. It's, it's a brutal affliction. Yeah. That you, can't, yeah. you can't win if you can't keep up with the biggest. You can't win with a three-wood anymore. Maybe that's not the case. Well, I think it is at Augusta. Uh, I mean, Bubba proved last year, and I think we're just seeing more and more that <clears throat> there are really only about a dozen players who uh, have that combination of uh, to, to still overpower the course and still have the ability to putt those greens. And Tiger, his putting looked okay last week. That was probably the one positive. I mean, he had a couple of, you know, one or two, three putts that weren't pretty, but it was at the point when things were really snowballing so his putting actually looked pretty good so i think in his mind it's it's i've got to have that bubba rory distance uh to 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 overtake the course and I, i'm assuming that's his thinking or it's just a it's just a vanity thing to that that he misses uh the days when he when he was able to overpower courses and be longer than everybody perhaps you can ask him when he comes in the press room shack he will not be coming in the press room oh, uh yeah. uh he, he will be doing an outdoor uh gathering um, you know, even though the risk of uh, running into videographers is higher, <laughs> now, <take it> easy. <laughs> um, we will be doing it outdoors so that that and probably about four military jets will fly over. Uh, and I do apologize in advance. I will I will try to mute it when one of them is uh, flying over here today. That's OK. The other thing that's interesting about this, of course, Shaq, is um, it's drawn interest back to the game, hasn't it? Because for all the people who used to love to watch Tiger Woods play you know, the way he used to play and the things he used to do, there's probably almost as many people who are, well, whether they're taking delight, I don't know, but a bit like a car accident, can't take their eyes off watching what, something so incredible. In a funny way, it's, uh, it's brought interest to the game. Perhaps. And it's also uh, it brought a lot of people out uh, talking about the yips, and, and it's amazing how many people have, have uh, shared their views on having them and what's gone into it and, um, so it's been an interesting discussion that I think has just sort of begun. Unfortunately, I think it's going to continue because I, I just don't see a quick turnaround of this. I don't see, and anybody who's uh, suffered it just knows trying to grind through it is is not always the uh, answer. And especially if he he it started in, I mean, some people say it started a long time ago, but it really started in earnest last year here. And there's high rough. Which might even maybe that'll be an out for him. Uh, the rough is kind of silly, I guess. I haven't ventured uh, beyond the North Course yet, but um, it, it has brought interest. I, I, I mean, I couldn't take my eyes off it. It was fascinating. It's kind of sad too, though, uh, in, in a way, kind of like watching Seve near the end. Mm, without doubt. 
Of course, it's done a couple of players a huge favour. Isn't it? Robert Allenby, for one, whose story is now yes. forgotten, and Tiger's Own Tooth, which is now being forgotten, and Dustin Johnson, of course, Shaq, uh, this week, who yeah. comes back. Just- and I throw, I throw in Mickelson, too. Uh, I mean, he really stunk it up last week after his big uh, off-season of uh, paleo diets and all that, and uh, he blew off the press on Friday, and nobody really uh, talked about that. So, uh, yeah, he's done a favour for to a lot of people with this. Once again, Mickelson will be thanking him uh, as well. Of course, on the other side of the coin, you sort of alluded to it, Clades, Rory McIlroy looking as confident as a man ever has on a golf course, it seemed to me, in Dubai, winning there uh, with just some phenomenal golf, including a pretty conservative last round. I read you on Murray's column this morning. I thought it was really interesting. Rory playing un-Rory-like golf with a lead in the final round uh, to win it. He's looking remarkable, Rory McIlroy, is he not? Clates, that's for you. He has for a year, I guess. I mean, perhaps. I mean, while he had that blip when he changed clubs, and despite what anyone else says, I think it probably took him a year to start to like him. But yeah, he's been tremendous. I mean, incredible. Uh, with uh, with a court case around the corner, though, uh, Shaq, the, talk, the wonder is whether this is going to detract from his preparations for Augusta, which is, of course, the tournament we all look forward to now that we've hit February. It's the one that we all start to think about, as do the players around about this time of year. Thoughts on that? I think the course case starts today, does it not? Yeah, there. Uh, it did start today, but on the uh, the lawyers are uh, are making sure they they rack up every bill they possibly can. <laughs> they're they're in settlement talks again. They postponed until 11 a.m. tomorrow. So I, I, it sounds to me like they're going to get this resolved, uh, but not before they, they uh, run up a big tab. But if, it, if the scenario goes forward where they do have the trial, they're talking six to eight weeks. He'll have a six-day run on the stand, and loads of embarrassing information will come out and, and bickering. And so it has to be a distraction. Um, and he, he needs to have a focus going into Augusta. You know what? On morning drive yesterday, Gary Williams brought up the Masters and is he the favorite? And and I'm with Gary. We both believe that no, Bubba still is very much the favorite because he's continuing to play the way he did last year. He's already, already kind of back locked in on the West Coast swing and, and um, he's proven he can play that course. And Rory is going to have to to uh, bring it up a notch. But it's just what what is blowing me away is how he's able to compartmentalize when these distractions and things keep coming up, uh, but he gets out on the course and it just doesn't seem to phase him, and that's just uh, that's so impressive. Clates, as a player, all that outside stuff does it affect you on the course, or is is it one of the skills of the better players to be able to compartmentalise? As Shaq sort of said that Rory's done there. Well, I mean, if the if what you read is true, Nicholas Jack Nicholas was bankrupt when he won the nine eighty six Masters. I mean, you couldn't be under more pressure than that. Mm. You know, the guy was past his best by, you know, somewhat, well, it had been 1980 since he won a major. And, you know, he was in a financial mess and he went out and won the Masters at 46. So, I mean, that's a much more of a distraction over I thought than Rory, who's got $100 million in the bank plus. So, you know, there's, and, uh, you know, I still think if you can stand on every 10, pound the ball 350 yards down the fairway, that makes up for a lot of distraction. Yeah, and, just on Rory's driving, we haven't sort of seen the likes of it, I don't think, since Greg Norman plays. He doesn't just hit it long. He hits it where he wants to almost every time, it seems, which hasn't been the go with the modern driver, has it? I mean, lots of blokes hit it long, but he's got so much control over it, so much confidence yeah. in it. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. it's uh, phenomenal to watch. So I suppose we'll get some word on that later today, Shaq, whether the court case goes there. It's a, it's a real... Um, they're really 
really having a no who's who's going to blink first competition, aren't they? I mean, this is the very last minute to make a settlement. They were sent last September to make a settlement, haven't done so. So uh, they're really playing sandals there. Clay, you're caddying for Sue O this week. Sue O is a contemporary of Lydia Ko. Lydia Ko is 17 years old. She's the number one player in the world. Uh, this is extraordinary. I know you watched her at Royal Canberra a couple of years ago. She shot 63, I think, in the first round yep. the Australian Women's Open. Just some thoughts on Lydia. I just find that a remarkable achievement at 17. Well, she came here and won the New South Wales Open at 13. 14. She finished second at 13 when she three-putted the last. All right. So, four, okay, right. so she, she's never missed a cut in an event ever, which is pretty staggering. I mean, a lot, it's all staggering. I mean, this is the best one. Yeah. She's never missed a cut. She won a pro event at 14. Okay, New South Wales Open. She um she just machine she's a machine she just sits the ball down I mean she won that playoff at the end of the last year but I think it was a four hole playoff somewhere in Florida or somewhere down there and she played the playoff hole exactly the same way four times in a row just driving in the middle of the fairway hybrid twenty feet right of the hole if the playoff was still going on she'd still be hitting the she'd still be you know she just plays the plays the, you know she just plays relentlessly accurate golf just I mean, obviously a a temperament of great serenity because she's never seen a bad shot hardly that you know so mind you she did lost in all the the fact that she came number one she double bogeyed the last the, the second last hole last week to lose the tournament that's right she made it awful well in the end it was a she made a 12 or 15 foot putt for a double bogey so it was it was an awful double bogey in a sense but it was much closer to being a triple but you know so that was an unusual I mean she drove in the fairway bunker and then from there went in the trees and so, so that was a very uncharacteristic mistake. But you know, it's not, it's, when you watch her play, it, clearly it's not you're not in awe of like, like you are when you watch Norman or you know Tiger or Rory. Or there's not that incredible power or those massive two irons going over skyscrapers. But she has, hits the ball down the fairway on the green and gets it in the hole. She's an incredibly efficient player. Mm. I think until it's probably towards the back end of last year, she'd won more professional events as an amateur than she had a, as a pro. Because of course she won the two Canadian Opens. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, as an amateur, in the first one, Shaq, there was nineteen of the top twenty players in the world. The field she beat at the age of fifteen at that Canadian oh. Open. It's uh, it's staggering stuff, isn't it? it? Does she does seem to fly under the radar? I suppose women's golf tends to fly under the radar a little bit, but it, it staggers me. She hasn't got more attention from what she's done. What's your take on that? Is it just the the Tiger thing that's going on in the Rory? It's such big, drowned it out, or is it? Did someone just get shot there? No, that would be a door closing oh, okay. to the interview room. It does sound like uh, <laughs> gunshots, like getting... and we we do have bulletproof glass just in case here. But no, um, why does the women's game not what? get the exposure? Uh, That's a good go? question. I mean, seventeen-year-old world number um, one. It should be the biggest story, shouldn't it, in the world this week? Uh, it should, but it's it's obvious that that people love the dramatics of some of these things, and uh, the women's game has always struggled. That said, I, their their ratings are decent here in the states, and and people paid attention to Lydia Ko reaching number one. Yeah, I could care less about algorithms and rankings, but e- even this, for me, this was something that was pretty incredible. That at that age, mm. do what she's done to to earn that spot. When yeah, if there were if if you looked at the LPGA and you said, well, it's kind of kind of uh, spread out the, the the wealth of talent but you have people like stacy lewis who uh, are there every week and um there's some some really incredible players michelle we've been a little up and down but but she had a great run last summer um so and then, and then by the way you throw in the fact that she just decided to throw out her glasses and go to contacts didn't miss a beat 
which now I know it's not laser eye surgery, but that's still, it's one of those things, as, as Clayton knows with a golfer, you never know how these things are going to affect how you, you see and you know, your eyesight and your, your touch is so important and hand-eye coordination it just, didn't, just didn't seem to phase her. And so she's just showing this uh, incredible ability to, to kind of do whatever she wants to do and She's just a, a one-of-a-kind talent. I think more and more people are beginning to realize that. And um, The LPGA was actually a lot of fun to watch uh, last week. They played at a tribute course, so they had all these uh, holes mimicking uh, holes at Augusta and Troon. And, you know, like any theme course, uh, they, they, they don't look that great in terms of being copies. But the golf was interesting. The holes were interesting, and therefore the golf was interesting, and a lot went on. And... Um, so the LPGA, they're, and they finished on a Saturday, which was a big deal here in the United States. So they're trying. They, it's going to be a, a battle, but I think they, if they just keep doing what they're doing, which is to, to put these uh, women out there uh, and show what interesting people they are. A lot of them are really, uh, they're just nice, <laughs> down-to-earth people. And, and fans are going to continue to notice that as the PGA Tour guys continue to uh, take themselves a little too seriously. I think that's their opening um, is to just to show these are uh, these are people you can relate to both because they're down to earth and also it's just so hard to relate to, to some of the distances the guys hit. And I know we beat that that uh, that drum, but it, it really the golf that the men play right now it's 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 on another level and it's great, good for them, but it is it is more relatable watching the women uh at the moment because uh they're 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 hitting the ball certain distances and and hitting seven irons from 155 yards and, and instead of 210 but for a game check i mean i i do think it's more important than people probably uh realize for a game that, that relies so heavily on the people who participate at a recreational level to to provide the the money that supports the professional game, much more so than other sports. I mean, nowhere near as many people play in Australia, certainly, football or tennis or cricket at a recreational level as the, as the you know professional purses would suggest. The further those games become apart, you know, the professional and the amateur game, doesn't that slowly but surely chip away? Once the game becomes completely unrecognisable to those who play it on a weekend, uh, the game at the professional level, that, that must damage the product. Eventually, does it not? I think it has to because that's always been the allure of, of golf is it is the one sport where you buy the same equipment and, uh, or something close to the same equipment that you see these players play and you, you can play some of their courses. And, and it's something we've talked about with this uh, chase for distance that it, at some point there is a, there is a disconnect. Uh, the pace of play that is, and that is a big problem for the LPGA. I mean, I don't know if you watched that hole in one last week, but Paula Kramer, it's it's just agonizing. They just they just are too slow, and they're they're the men aren't too far behind. Um, but I, I've always felt that uh, maintaining that connection is important. It's important to the manufacturers. Yet when we bring these points up about distance and and regulating things, you know, that's where they just <laughs> they just their eyes just glaze over. They can't fathom that concept that that uh, trying to keep this within reason and uh it's good for for both protecting golf courses and all the reasons that we know that that uh chasing distance is bad uh, they don't they don't care about that that's it's all about the 
the, the next, uh, I mean, every ad slogan right now for everything is, is longer, either longer and straighter or longer and softer. So. They've got it at the wrong end, haven't they, Clay? So that's the it wouldn't be a problem if, if all our 16 markers hit it further, but, of course, the people who are hitting it further are the people at the other end of the game. That's the problem, which is yeah. which is the thing. Back to the women's golf, Clayton, and, and it, it's always it's always struck me. I went to the two of the ALPG's proms here last week, and we had Laura Davies and Laurie Kane playing these one-day yeah. proms at Castle Hills, which is just extraordinary. And a few people came out to watch at Castle Hill and Penn Hills, mostly watching Laura Davies, which is something well worth doing but it seems to me that people don't or golfers don't tend to be interested in women's golf until they actually go and watch it or meet some of the players or play in one of these primes it's a fantastic product you know when you actually go and make the effort to go and watch the women play they can really play and it is entertaining golf but people just don't seem to give it a chance well this week's interesting the victorian open where the men and women play together it's a 36 hole course here at 13th beach and the women play what's known as the creek course, which is curious given it doesn't have a creek, but it's got ponds on it. And the men play the, <laughs> the, men's play the beach course, which is a terrific course in the sand dunes. Is it near the beach? It's right on the beach. Oh, that's okay then, yeah. And then the, they swip over. The women play the beach course on Friday, and then they all play together on Saturday and Sunday, alternate groups. So you, And this tournament will get crowds as big as the Australian Women's Open in two weeks at Royal Melbourne. Because the locals, you know, we're an hour and a half out of Melbourne. The locals actually appreciate good players coming down. They love it. They, they, they're keen on golf. Bowen Heads, the golf course is terrific course, is right next door. So it's a big golf area. So the combining the two, is, a, I think it works really well. I don't know why. They kind of did it last year at the US Open at Pinehurst in, in, in one sort of sense. But combining the two, is it works really well down here. And people really enjoy watching it. And you can flip from watching the men to the women. And, you know, it's, um, that kind of works. But... Look, I mean, I really enjoy watching him play. But, you know, is this the first time they've done this, no. the, the combination? Fourth. 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 Okay. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, the first time I – well, like Caddy did in the – Colgate had a big time in Victoria in the mid-'70s where they all came and played, Joanne Carter and Kathy Whitworth and Judy Rankin and all. It was a great tournament. But I like, caddied in that. But uh, I, um, I, I watched – uh, Annika Sorenson play at Yarra Yarra. I don't know when she played there, 12, 15 years ago, what it was. And I was I – was, Wow, I can believe how good she was. I mean, it was incredible. And she would just pull a three-wood out and it to 15 foot time after time. It's like, you know, you, you know, I mean, you were, I was a cynical you know, touring pro at the time that women can't play. And I thought, you know, wow, they can really play. Mm. You know, but, but you need to go and think about how they play and watch it and appreciate what they're doing. And I mean, it's a different game, but, you know, it's, it, it's fun to watch. They're good. Well, I'm, cur- I'm curious. When uh, The reason I asked is, you know, you saw the news that the USGA is going to have a, U.S. Senior Women's Open, which uh, nobody—I don't know who's clamoring for that—but uh, but it would be it would be intriguing if they 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 did this format where they mixed up the groups on the weekend and uh, they finished their event on Sunday as well. And uh, that's why I was curious how how it's structured because uh, I don't I don't see how they're going to have a U.S. Senior Women's Open uh, standalone. Yeah, I'm just it's just for a number of reasons, but yeah. number of players, the quality so, of the field, et cetera, et cetera. So, so given the format this week, you need a 36-hole course, and you just swap courses, yeah. and then you all play the, the one course in the weekend, and you alternate groups. I mean, it would be it'd be a great event to 
have the best senior men and the best senior women. Yeah, wouldn't that be one great. group after another? I mean, yeah, it'd be great. There's been some great finishes, haven't there, Clates, with this point? Because of course, the so the the last women's group is the second last group on the course on Sunday. No. So if you sit at 18, you watch the the leaders of the women's event finish and the the leaders of the men's event finish right behind them. And there's been some fabulous finishes, haven't there? Where they've both been really exciting, great well, for the crowds. Last year, the, 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 the women actually played in the last group. Oh, okay. Yeah, the women played last. And then the, the men, I mean, Minji Lee won last year. She won easily last year. Um, but then the, the, there was a playoff in the men's event. So everyone watched the two kind of parts of the event finish. And then the men, the men went back and they finished up having a three-hole playoff. Mm. So, so it, was a, it was a great day's golf, I thought. It's just inventive. And it's the sort of stuff golf needs to do to be more attractive to it, and it'd be great at the Olympics too. Um, yeah, um, they could they could do the Olympics and then add a, a, a different competition the oh. second week. Uh, it would be um, because I think there's always that chance when you have sixty player fields uh, as they're going to have in the Olympics. You could have some real duds for finishes, oh. yeah. especially since half the field is really not on the level of the upper half of the field. So you're really looking at about thirty players to have a chance to win on both the men and the women's and side. Maybe not even maybe not even thirty. Uh, it might even be on both sides more like 20, 25. And they're the same 20 or 25 that you've watched week in and week out. There's that too, in, yeah. In the letter. Clay, so I suppose what it points to is actually going to the golf. We live in such a television age and most people, you know, most golfers would be lucky to get to one uh, golf tournament a year. But people really should do themselves over and go to the golf. Now, the Vic Open is a fabulous event, but to actually go and watch the golf. We talked about it. I know at the Asian Pacific Amateur, just to be able to watch the golf and get behind the players and get up close, um, it's a great event to be at live. And I think we kind of overlook it, don't we, as golf fans? We we just watch it on TV most of the time. Clates, have I lost you? Well, we do. I mean, I've always loved. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm there. You here? Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved watching golf. I watched it when I was even before I played. My dad took me to watch golf because he took me to watch lots of sport and. Well, I always love watching it. It was a great game to watch. And, uh, you know, as we spoke about briefly last week, as Jeff Ogilvie says, golf's a much better game from behind. And one of, the, one of the other great things about this tournament this week is that spectators walk on the fairways. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we sort of shoved the spectators off to the, to the sides in the mid-70s because Bruce Crampton complained about it, who never bothered to play in Australia and, you know, didn't come here for 10 years and came out and started bitching about people walking on the fairways, which was just normal here. So they put up ropes and the spectators for forever since walked down the sides, but they get to walk down the fairways this week, which is so much more interesting and so much better for everybody, really. Mm, absolutely. It's, uh, and it does make it an event. And if you haven't been to a golf tournament and you've got a chance to go to the Vic Open, it will be uh, a fantastic event. You, you mentioned there, you sort of sent us a little message there, Clates, about the Olympic course. Shaq, what's the latest on the Olympic course? It's been drunk all over the place. To this point, what do we? Uh, uh, I we think at? it's it's mostly good. The uh, I don't know if you guys saw the aerials I posted on my website, but uh, I'd, I'd be curious that. what you thought. That you can really see the strong Melbourne influence uh, from Gil's visit down there to see you, Clates, and and to see the courses. I, I thought, uh, and I was exciting to see uh, wide and sandy, scrubby areas off the fairways, and then the bunkering and. And and not just the, the look of the bunkering, but kind of the way they're set into the greens and and uh, right up against the greens. I, I just I I think it looks great. I've I've heard the growing is going well, but uh, that they're they are concerned still. There was a story there where the mayor talked about uh, uh, he kind of was 
separating himself from the golf and 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 I think he was laying the groundwork for them to lease out the management of the course and take it away from from the city because it's just too much of a headache for them. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, and uh, it's one less thing that he has to listen to people complain about, and they'll probably get a better better uh, product for the Olympics if, if they're able to do that. So that's one thing I think that's kind of going on behind the scenes, a little struggle over that, but it's done, and uh, it's, it's going to have a decent amount of time to grow in, so that's exciting. And I just looking at some of the holes, I was excited to see what Gil ended up doing with them. There were a few that uh, he went a different way from when I was there, and, and a few that that uh, kind of came out the way I had hoped, and I think the finishing stretch is going to be really, really neat. We'll uh, we'll see, but uh, it's gonna they're going to have a course, and it's going to be there, and uh, so we have that, and now we just have to get people excited about the Olympics, and I just I still don't know uh, if they will be because of the format, but uh, there you go. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You, when you look at the course, the aerials of the course, Clates, and all that width and strategy and decisions, wouldn't it be fabulous to watch some match play? Rather than yeah. play, head-to-head play, it just it makes it almost worse well, that uh, yeah. it's going to be the same. Well, we do have we do have hope on that front. Mike Davis kind of cracked, you know. That, that's been the annoying thing. Look, it's fun. One thing they had to sell the format, they had to do it this way. Um, and the and I don't know if you caught that article. Bob Herrig wrote it, and and Mike Davis kind of opened up and said it basically admitted that they're going to reconsider the format after the the games, which is all people ask for. You know, look, we understand. You're going to play it this way this time, but just throw us a bone and say, look, we're going to look at it again. So he did that mercifully. And then the other thing he mentioned, which which does speak to how clueless the IOC is and what they were dealing with there and just trying to sell the format <laughs> that they have. Uh, and I, I kind of li- liked it, actually, the more I thought about it. The IOC wondered why there will be caddies in the Olympics and why <laughs> why can't the players carry their bags? And you know what? <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, they do it up to the point they reach the tour, so yep. why not? Well... <laughs> It's an interesting idea. Yeah, I have to get a yeah, and think about all the sales of, yeah. of carry bags they could think they'd be uh, promoting. Wasn't and, the issue about that the accommodation? It's athletic. Wasn't the issue about that the accommodation? Oh, everything. Yeah, they're the IOC's obsessed with beds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's like really, you really think that that the top thirty golfers in the world are going to be with their wives and their entourages staying in the Olympic Village? No, maybe a couple of the guys who are single, uh, the young guys uh, who who you know just travel by themselves or whatever yeah a few of those might but most of them are going to stay in a nice hotel and they're not going to be taking up beds no but they will hang out in the village i remember jeff ogilvy talking about that quote saying you know if he was yeah you how great it would be to you know be near michael phelps for example just to sit in the same canteen and eat with some of the greatest athletes on earth that would be fair but as you know, i can't see him packing julie and the kids into a uh, tiny little bed sit <laughs> for the no. week no. uh sure yeah. Should it come to that? Uh, one of the stories that uh, that interested me on your site this week, Shaq, I want to get your thoughts on this, Clades. The British Open will go to Sky Sports from 2017, uh, and the BBC, the free-to-air provider, will only have uh, like a re- replay right. So essentially the Open is going to disappear from free-to-air TV in the UK. We've pretty much lost all golf aside from the Masters from free-to-air television here, Clades. I mean, the poten- there's potential damage, isn't there? It hasn't been good for the game here to disappear from our TV screens. Everything's on pay TV here, and to me, I don't think it's been a great thing for golf. The only thing we still get to see is our own local tournaments. We don't see much of the international golf, do we? What are the potential fallout here from this decision of the uh, the RNA? 
Well, I guess you have a whole. What, what's the pay TV tag up in Britain? It's more than it is here. Is it thirty percent or something? So whatever it is, yeah. So so seventy you percent know, of the country don't see golf anymore. I mean, for the thirty percent who do see it, I mean, we we didn't see any golf here when I was a kid in the seventies. The, the first major they televised was nine seventy four. There was a CBS golf classic and the local golf, but we saw no overseas golf at all. Now we see every golf tour in the world pretty much. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's been great. But it's just that it gets to a limited audience. So, I mean, you know, I mean, Skyle, how much was the Fox deal in America worth to the USGA, Jeff? Was that, that was worth a lot, wasn't it, a year? One billion over 12 uh, It's It's $93 million a year over 12 years. And uh, the, the, the RNA Sky deal, I had... First read was was ten million pounds. It's actually uh, fifteen million pounds a year uh, for 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 one one event. Um, so that's it's uh, it, it's it's uh, I think it doubled their their rights fee, I believe. So you, well, you can kind of understand a bit like the Fox deal too, Shaq. You can kind of understand with that sort of money that you have a responsibility, I suppose, to try and make as much money as you can. But well, Lee Westwood sort of hit the nail on the head, hasn't he? He sort of said that. He only started playing golf because he watched the Open on television and we watched Faldo and Norman and some of those great players uh, when he was younger. You lose that from free-to-air, there's potential fallout for the game, isn't there? Well, the irony is that they say they need, they need the money to, to, to do grow the game initiatives, uh, but then they uh, take a large part of the audience potentially uh, away by doing this, so I'm not sure. It just, just reading most of the, the stories over there, no one's really made a very strong case for taking the extra money. Most have said it's 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 mostly risk and little reward potential here. Uh, but it was pretty apparent last last year that they were, they were set on this and they like Sky and uh, I think that the the uh, the American rights will probably go to Fox starting in 2018 uh, because Fox and Sky are aligned and it will will save some money and all that kind of stuff. And they probably would like to, to have the tournament. But I, I've read a lot of stories and they've all kind of feel the same way that, that this will be a, a mistake in, in Britain and, and they will they will not reach as many people. And, and now some of the barometers they use for um, – whether the game is reaching enough people uh, are a little strange. You know, Rory McIlroy didn't win what the BBC Sports yeah. Personality of the Year award, and they acted like, well, that that's a sign that uh, of golf's demise. I don't. I mean, it's just you know, it's some, some Player of the Year award thing. So I don't know what that meant, but well, it's across all sports, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, I, that would seem like a very. Uh, it seemed like a little bit of a reach, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an award. <laughs> well, of course, the thing about it is, once it's gone, Clates, it'll never come back, will it? I can't. Uh, there were rumblings the BBC weren't particularly keen to keep the Open as it was necessarily. Uh, so that's really that's the death knell. That's it. It's now gone from free to air TV for good, which is a huge decision. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the end game is to force more and more people to buy TV. Mm-hmm. You, you know, buy pay TV. That's the end game of the whole thing. So, Get, get get events on there and force people to buy it and they pay for it and the sports make more money and but uh, you know in the long term is it a good thing for golf? Well, clearly it's a, it's a bad thing that seventy percent of the country now can't watch the Open. But even should they want to? Yeah, but and and Sky and, and Sky, you know, their their reward, I guess. I mean, that's the jewel in the crown. They've been incredible for golf. And, you know, they've televised events that no one no one else would have televised. You know, it's allowed the European Tour to spread to the Middle East and Asia, and you know, so you know you. you They've been great for the European Tour, no doubt. 
when you look at the European Tour now, it's compared to when you played in sort of the 80s and 90s, it's a completely different beast, isn't it? I mean, well, apart from the fact they hardly play in Europe. Uh, what are your thoughts on how it looks now compared to when you were there 20-odd years ago? Well, when I played there, the, the best six players, Seve, Langer, Feldo, Lionel, Azabal. I hesitate to throw Monty in there, but... Um, you know, the guys that won the most, they played a lot more in Europe now. I mean, the European Tour is it's split between, you know, you know, the best players who largely play in America now and the, and the big appearance money events in the Middle East. And, you know, the regular European Tour players who play, you know, Bernd Weisberger and, you know, Raphael Jacqueline and Victor de Buisson and Mark Warren and, the, you know, the guys who play in Europe. So, you know, it's fine, you know, the European Tour sell their flagship players, but largely they don't play there. But, you know, it's become a world tour, really. When I was playing early in the 80s, they didn't start till they played in Madrid in April. And they sort of spread down to the islands, Tenerife, and uh, those sort of places where the weather was a little warmer. But now they play all year there. They play in Asia and Australia and Middle East. So it's become a year-long tour, much more lucrative for the players, a better product to sell. It's, you know, it's just, for me, the pity is that uh, the rest of the world couldn't garner the non-American players into playing the worldwide schedule on a world tour because that would have, I think, been a better tour with bigger prize money than the US tour has. But, you know, so Norman and Nick Price and all the, you know, the great players in the 80s all sort of took themselves to America and... America's become the dominant tour, but if it had gone the other way and all the non-American players had played a world tour, then the world tour would have been the dominant tour, no doubt, I think. But, you know, that, that's what happened. Which is what, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that was always Peter Thompson's thought, was to try and create a great tour made up of the best non-American players. And that, you know, that kind of, that never really happened. And rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let the two of you go because it sounds like there's golf tournaments to be getting on. Well, it sounds like you're about to be shoveled out of the room there, Shaq. Is there a media? Oh, I've I've tried to move naturally. The uh, you know the sound people are having to get the microphones ready for for Pat Perez's uh, um, packed house press conference this afternoon. Who are you looking forward to today, Shaq? Who's on the list? Actually, Pat Perez is quite entertaining. I was going to say he is quite entertaining. And, yeah. uh, our U.S. amateur champion who uh, who who turned semi-pro uh, immediately after winning he's coming in he's uh, here on a sponsor's invite um but uh nobody in particular tomorrow we have the commissioner and tiger and phil nicholson and all sorts of people uh so it'll it'll be a little more entertaining i think uh there's a lot going on and then the um you know this is this is an interesting golf tournament because they play two courses and mm-hmm. Um, the North is is not going to be rebuilt after the tournament. It was originally going to be by Phil, so that'll that'll be a topic uh, that we get to hear about. Uh, and completely, not completely, no. But it sounds like it was quite a setback. Uh, they weren't were not close uh, on the budget. So wow. it's uh, you know it's it's the USGA greens and the whole shooting match. It's very expensive, I guess, and they just. It, uh, account for that and they didn't get the bids they thought so uh i don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing it's still uh, the north here is a really really nice course it's a little tired it needs a little work but i don't know if it needs a a full uh overhaul so uh, that'll add to the the intrigue phil doesn't like talking about things that uh haven't gone 
as planned. So I'm sure whoever asks the question will get the long stare and pause. And uh, but if the cameras are on and it's live, that will that'll help mitigate the uh, the awkwardness at oh, least. So all right. you can just turn the the topic to his game. Oh, that's not <laughs> so great oh, either. Yeah, that he can spin all day long. He'll have some reason for you know he didn't he didn't use an umbrella clates. Did you see that last oh, week? Bizarre. It was raining at Phoenix, and he, he and and uh, I just talked to a writer today who asked Bones his caddy. He said no, he had the umbrella. It wasn't like they forgot it. He just didn't want the umbrella. And then two gloves, a visor, no gloves. umbrella, and a shocking hairdo on international television wasn't Phil's yeah. best. Uh, not a good book. wasn't Phil's best effort. All right, we'll listen out for your questions on the coverage, Shaq. Great for you to take some time today. Okay. Clates is losing us down there in Victoria, but Clates, yes. best of luck at the Vic Open oh, this week. Oh. We'll look out for the results for soon. Okay. Thank Thanks, Rod. No worries. Thank you, mate. Best of luck this week. That wraps it up for episode 51 of State of the Game. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to do it all again here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a talk and golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.